0: So, as we get going here, and as Pastor Stewart and I practice our social distancing, (laughs) our teaching online, it wouldn't be appropriate if we didn't say just a little bit about the virus, uh, the viral outbreak. We're going to be preaching on this throughout the weeks at Christ Church, and so don't want to let the cat out of the bag completely. But I would like to just take a moment to maybe give us some time to. To say what are some of the things we've learned in this experientially, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some of the things that we're happy that we knew before right. all of this hit. Um, yeah. Anything like just float
1: to the top for you? The first thing immediately is like emergency funds. Thank God for having money set aside. Like so, both as the church as a whole, so we did this emergency fund drive what like four months ago, three months last, ago, last
0: year, two thousand nineteen, all leading
1: up to Christmas. And so there was this cushion that we have set aside now. To where whenever something like this hits, because the economy is going to be down for months, sure. six months, eight months, sure. a year, who knows. Um, we're able to kind of continue some mode of operations, uh, if not even the full mode of operations that we normally would, right. despite the drop in giving that's coming. And personally, too, like we have money in the bank for the first time in years, and thank goodness that we do. That's because right. Because now we're able to continue to... Feed the kids, right. provide for others who might be in need. Like what a good, what a great thing to that's have. right.
0: And, you know, one pastor told me yesterday. He said, "Brandon, you know, we've got to meet. Um, Baptists don't give when they don't go."
1: And I <laughs> thought,
0: I thought that is that is unfortunate. Um, sure. I one of the things I'm so happy that our church has learned, and that we're learning through experience right now, is the importance of covenant right. membership.
1: Versus audience,
0: versus building an audience. Right, an audience can come or go. Right. They'll leave you high and dry uh, when times are tough. But if you have covenant members that you're responsible for, and they are responsible for you, you have more a uh, safety net in, right. in times of trial. You know, normally life is easy for us Americans, and we can kind of live under the delusion that we're independent, that we're self reliant. <laughs> right? right, we don't need <laughs> everybody else. Right. Um, but in times like this, even though we're not, you know, in any sort of catastrophe yet, right. This is at least a warning shot across the bow. This right. is a little heads up, like, hey, Americans, you're not uh, as independent
1: as you think uh, you are.
0: You're one tiny mutation, and your entire way of life is disrupted. That's right. It's just a great illustration for how much we need the church, and um, and so I'm I'm so thankful that our church not only has an emergency fund, right. But we also have covenant membership. Right. So it's highly likely we make it through this entire trial without even ever having to touch the emergency fund. Right. Right. And, and not
1: and only that, but like we preached about what you <coughs> preached about. We didn't get to it yet. The ministry of bread being able to like how timing, how well timed was that? Right. Like right. God knew exactly what was coming down the pipe. And we were able to stand because think about just the restaurants that have closed. That is a ton of minimum wage or maybe a little higher employees that are That's now right. without work.
0: Devoting ourselves one to another, right. making sure we meet needs. It's the safety net, it's the means that God uses to provide for his people That's right. in tough times. And we are we've got to get back to that. Right. And this is a great great reminder for it right. as well. Also um, Clorox.
1: Everybody believes in Clorox I, again. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm, I was beginning to wonder there. Um, but now we know people still do believe in Clorox and um and soap.
1: That's good. That's good.
0: <laughs> no, I'm 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 happy about that. I was a little worried about that for for some time. Right. Um some le- another lesson was uh, the importance of getting out of debt. Oh yeah. I mean when an emergency comes, you have that emergency fund, just mm-hmm. like Jesus told us. He said, uh, consider the ant, you know, learn the ant's ways. Mm-hmm. She stores up in the wintertime. You know, I mean, she stores up in the harvest time to prepare for the winter. You know, emergency funds are biblical. Right. We believe in a fallen world. The world has fallen. Bad things happen. We don't need to live under this spirit of triumphalism or, you know, positive thinking. Right. Uh, we need to realize the world has fallen. Have those emergency funds in place. It's a loving thing. Right. For others, so that we don't fall on someone else's dole in times of trouble. That's right. But secondly, when you're out of debt, it frees up your income. When you're out of debt, some things that would be emergency aren't emergency. So, so many lessons that I am so thankful that Jesus taught us before this trial as a church and individually. Mm -hmm. Covenant membership, the importance of emergency funds, the importance of getting out of debt. Um, Any others? Any others?
1: I'm trying to think. Oh, I
0: got one more. Oh, what? What? Now, this we've learned recently. What? That many of us could work at home if we really wanted to. Oh, yeah. That's right. I'm loving that. (laughs) There's a lot of people that go into the office that don't need to. Yeah. We're seeing now that there's a lot of businesses that can restructure and work at home. The great thing about that is it it, um, empowers the household. It empowers the family. It, it leaves adults home during the day so that neighborhoods are safer. You know, now, yeah. now people can play outside. So you know, these days with um, everyone commuting to work, neighborhoods are like ghost towns mm-hmm. during the day. Mm-hmm. But with people staying home, people working, it's a better, safer environment for children. It brings back that, that life of the neighborhood mm-hmm. that we've lost. And it also brings back the vitality of the small town. Mm-hmm. we don't all have to leave the small town and go into the big city to work in our cubicle. We can stay in our small town. We can stay local. Mm-hmm. We can stay in our homes and we can work from home. What the what the industrial revolution did was pull everyone away from their homes. Mm-hmm. But now with this technological revolution with computers and whatnot, we can return to the home. Right. I, I think structurally for the household, this is a... Wonderful opportunity to seize. You know, we at Christ Church, we pastors, we work at home a lot. Right. Um, we don't, you know, quote go into the office. But I'm hoping everybody does this. <coughs> How we doing with our live feed?
1: Mm, it seems to
0: be working, from what I can tell. So let it keep. Rolling. Seems to be good. Mm-hmm. Well, I am coughing. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say. <laughs> Those are allergies. <laughs> and I wonder how many people, because this is uh, spring now down here in Louisiana. How right. do we know the difference between allergies like COVID and, and COVID? Up north, right. where the where the news media is coming from, they don't have allergy season yet. But we're right smack dab. My right. yard is filled with flowers,
1: and I so know. I got oh, this yeah.
0: dry cough from allergies. And guess what? Dry cough is a symptom of coronavirus. <laughs> So <laughs> I know,
1: and right now, if you cough around anybody, they, they immediately. I appreciate are you. I to <laughs> say, they gotta go. Oh, well, it's yeah. nice talking about the. see you c- later. C- it's crazy c- times. C- times. It's crazy times.
0: Uh, God is sovereign. God's on the throne, and uh, so we're here. Let's go ahead and get into our subject for the day. Yeah, God and government. Ooh. We're going to be doing this Ooh. for a while. You know, coming to you every Wednesday at eleven a.m hope to make it a habit, should be able to do that. And um, I want to begin by reminding us of a particular passage. I'm going to look it up here in the scriptures. It is Psalm chapter two, verse one. The Bible says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Verse 6, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage. Verse 10, now therefore, be wise, O kings. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. What a beautiful psalm reminding us that since the resurrection and the ascension, Jesus is king. It's a warning to the kings of earth. He is the king of kings, Lord of lords. It reminds me also of the passage, the Christmas passage in Isaiah, that unto us a child is born, and upon his shoulders will be the government, government, the government. You know, think about that if you would, and Christ Church Academy kids that you're watching, really think about this, and Christian life class. You, you're familiar with these uh, topics. But the Bible teaches us that there is a singular government. It's the government that is upon Christ's shoulders. The government that rules over this world from heaven, mm-hmm. from the right hand of authority, from the right hand of God the Father, by King, by King Jesus. Yeah. But in our day and age, when we say the word government, what do we think? Washington. Washington, D.C.
1: We think the feds. The
0: feds,
1: yes. We think we need them to save us from all the things that are going
0: on. The government, yeah. Right. Or, you know, it's the, the biggest excuse that we have half the time. You know, <laughs> know the government. <laughs> um, all these dead gum It's our crap. biggest disappointment, the government. Or it's our biggest hope for salvation. Oh, I hope the government. But notice what the language in the United States has done and throughout the West We've replaced this singular government in the Bible that's upon the shoulders of Jesus with this new government, which is completely civil. So mm. when we say government, what we think of is exclusively Civil government. Now,
1: wait, Brandon. You're starting to sound a little bit like an anarchist here. Like, hold on. Right, right. Hold on. (laughs) Well, check this
0: out. Check this out. (laughs) Noah Webster. Many of you know who Noah Webster is from the Webster's Dictionary. Let me see if I can find this. Listen to his definition. His definition of government in the, the 1828 Dictionary. Listen to this. Government is direction... Regulation, control, restraint. Hmm. He goes on to say, the exercise of authority by a parent or a householder. So in Noah Webster's mind, those of you watching and who are homeschooling and are at home and you got a mom or a dad and kids, you're actually in a government in Noah Webster's understanding, 1828. You see, Today, and I haven't looked this up, but I wonder what the first definition of government would be. I've got it already. What would it be today?
1: Uh, An agency of federal government um, or the system by which a nation,
0: state, or community is governed. You see, the word has shifted as our nation has fallen away from the Bible and biblical norms. The idea of government has gone to be exclusively civil. Now, there's nothing wrong with civil government, and we're going to get to that. But there's more governments than just the civil government. Right. Right. What are some examples? The Bible speaks of self-government. Right. AKA self-control, fruit of the Spirit. Uh, The Bible speaks of family government. The head of the household is the father. He rules not with a sword, not with a rod of iron. He rules with the rod, the rod of correction. Um, the mother comes alongside of him as the helper and life giver. So you have family government, you have self-government, you have church government. You remember in, uh, in Bible school and seminary, we learn about this thing called polity, church polity, you know, politics. It's, it's the subject of church government, how a, go- how a church should be structured with elders and pastors and deacons. The church has a government. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we are told not to take our disputes to pagan judges. Like we're not supposed to as Christians go and fight our you know our fights and bring our dirty laundry out into pagan courts. Right. He's now if the courts are Christian, that's a, another thing. Right. But he tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 not to bring our Thing, our problems before pagan courts. Christians shouldn't be suing each other in well, pagan courts. And we should
1: also say too that historically in America they were Christian. The that's courts right. were, like even the seal for our district attorney's office here in St. Landry Parish is the the weights you know the what do mm-hmm. they called? scales the, of the justice. scales of justice. Yeah. They're sitting on top of
0: a book. That's and right. We, we all know what that book is supposed to be. That's right. You know, but the foundation of justice, the Bible. That's right. right. So in our past. We could say that the courts were Christian. Um, But Christians shouldn't be doing that today, and they certainly shouldn't have done it in the first century when Paul's writing 1 Corinthians. But what's interesting, he goes on in chapter 6 to tell them to judge between themselves. He's essentially saying, establish your own courts. Hmm. Judge yourselves. Govern yourselves. Hmm. That's one of many, many examples. We have the Holy Spirit being poured out on the civil rulers of Israel. Um, In the book of Numbers, we have Saul, the king. He's not a minister. He's not a priest. He's being anointed by the Spirit of God and prophesying. He has a role in the kingdom of heaven. We have many examples throughout Scripture where there is a government of the civil authority, but there's also a government of the church, Mm -hmm. of the family, and underneath all of them, self-government.
1: So what do you think has caused us to to go around? Like, we don't self-govern anymore. We've left that. We don't immediately look to the church anymore. We've left that. We go straight to state, local, city,
0: um, federal. We, we lack the fruit of the spirit, which is self-government. That's essentially. Oh, look at that's that! That's essentially self-restraint, self-dominion, self-government. These are these are just synonyms for the same thing. Yeah. Um, think of it this way: What made Mayberry? Mayberry. You know what. It's a television show, obviously, but why does Barney Fife only need one bullet? Because nothing ever happens. Because the <laughs> cit- yeah. Also, he's a putz. Right. The, the cit- why does Andy Griffith, so this is a solid guy, he right. doesn't drive around in an armored personnel vehicle. Right. You know, he doesn't have a machine gun. He doesn't have a trunk filled with assault rifles. Right. Because the citizenry govern themselves. The families govern themselves. Not exclusively. There's always matters for different spheres. But when you have, when you have self-government, it alleviates the burdens off of the other spheres of government. Right. But when a society lacks self-government, what you always will have is outside restraint. If you don't control yourself, you will have someone from the outside control you you will have a bureaucratic, top-down, regulatory government instead of an inside-out, Holy Spirit, Reformation government. Mm. These are big Mm -hmm. topics. We're going to be getting into them over the next several um, weeks. But think of this lesson, at least for today. There's not just the government. There's governments. Mm. The Bible teaches us the various You know, jurisdictions and prerogatives of each sphere. And the Bible teaches us how they relate to one another. Over top, all of the governments is the government of heaven. Mm. Um, That government which is upon the shoulders of King Jesus. Wait, so are
1: you saying that our president or our governor should be in submission to Jesus?
0: I'm not only saying that he should be in submission to King Jesus in his heart. I'm saying he should be in submission to King Jesus with his mouth and with his actions. Yeah. And I mean even more specifically that he should be obeying the Bible, which, which think, is how Jesus communicates to right. us. If you
1: think about it for a second, it makes sense. We try to build these walls between... God and anything else in society, or, or between, I guess you could say, the church and the state, the separation. We try to build these walls. But if there is a sovereign God of the universe who reigns and rules over every square inch, like Abraham Kuyper says, if he reigns and rules over all things, then it makes sense that our leaders, of course, are under that. And you know, Romans 14 makes it clear that God gives us our leaders. He sets them in position, right. which is why we submit to him in the first place.
0: Watch, check this this Bible verse out. Let me just read this for you. This is from Daniel chapter 4 verse 36. It's it's talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Now you know the story of Nebuchadnezzar. This mm-hmm. is a Babylonian king. He's not a Christian. He's not even a Jew. He's, he's a, a pagan a king. Pagan Babylonian king. He's standing on the walls of his great, you know, city, boasting about how great it's going to be mm-hmm. and and how, you know, it's the best kingdom of all. And he and he, <laughs> he's taking all of this this pride in what he's done and he most certainly was by all measures a great king. But he's not humbling himself before the Lord. Mm. He's not submitting himself to the ultimate sovereign. He is boasting. And he's cursed by God and a- apparently has to lives out in the wild like a cow. You know, eat, <laughs> eating grass for seven years.
1: Right. Because he won't humble himself before God. Yeah,
0: it's it's scary. Like what happens to the citizens of Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar is being punished for his pride, mm. you know, that's concerning. But when Nebuchadnezzar finally comes to, comes to his senses, so to speak, um, listen to what the Bible says about it. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, this is Nebuchadnezzar, a humbled man, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. That's right. And I bless the most high. And praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. This pagan king recognizes the sovereign who is over him, mm. recognizes that he is but one little blip on the radar, mm-hmm. that he comes and goes, but the ultimate kingdom, the ultimate dominion is everlasting from generation to generation and this is the the gold standard for all kings all governors all magistrates um to submit to king Jesus and and not just in the way that churches like to do uh, not like to say like he's king of kings it's sort of a cliche right what we mean specifically is that they should profess Jesus mm-hmm. not some vague sense of god right, right? They I mean, should profess Jesus and they should obey Jesus as he teaches us in the Bible. And
1: this goes back to the early church too. Like they had the problem of they must say Caesar is Lord. That's right. And they said no
0: because they understood what Lord meant. That's the That's why they're persecuted. Right. Because they're saying Jesus is Lord, Jesus kurios, mm-hmm. instead of Caesar is Lord. Mm-hmm. They were not rebelling against Caesar. They were just acknowledging that Caesar has a higher authority and that he needs to check himself. That's all. (laughs) That's right. And that, of course, was a threat to any man or government which exalts itself above the heavenly government. It's the
1: same issue that the Pharisees had with Jesus. He was a threat to their authority. That's exactly right. And that's where they decided they needed to kill him. So let me ask you this. So how come we're not seeing more Nebuchadnezzars eating grass in the woods right now, you think?
0: Well... It's hard to measure something like that, I suppose. <laughs> but I, I am personally a little concerned that if and when God does you know, humble our government and they have their Nebuchadnezzar moment, I am concerned of what repercussions that will have for us. Hmm. Um, that's why the church has to be faithful to preach the word. We are the ones with the prophetic ministry of preaching the word. We don't hold the sword. We have the word mm-hmm. and we have got to call kings to repentance. John the Baptist got his head chopped off because he told Herod, you can't sleep with someone who's not your wife. He meddled. And Herod didn't he go to his church. He insisted on
1: character. Like Herod, was, Herod it, like, was not a, a Christian. Herod <laughs> was
0: a reprobate. right? Because right. the laws of Jesus are overall. Right. He is the Lord of the earth. Um, we have to continuously preach that. Just for example, when our president came out with the proper responses for coronavirus, wash your hands, you know, social distance. That's good. That's good. What would have, what would have been amazing and a, and a sure sign of his humility is if he would have said, and we as a nation need to turn back to God or even better, we need to repent and learn to follow Christ again. But he didn't acknowledge Christ. He didn't acknowledge his sovereign. And so as a Christian, I, don't, I can't see that as fruits of repentance. Mm. It's still pragmatic and good. I, mean, I don't know if it's good or bad leadership, but it's not what we would desire ultimately. And that's Christian leadership. Um, for example, the, the preeminent magistrate in the uh, Bible is Joseph. Remember, Joseph was the prime minister to Egypt, mm-hmm. a godly man. And uh, people don't think about this too much, but the reason why um we one of the reasons why we have that story with him and Potiphar's wife is it demonstrates that Joseph first and foremost has self-government. Mm-hmm. That's what makes him a great ruler. Mm-hmm. He has self-government and therefore is able to govern others well. You know, his brother though Reuben, you'd have to read this story carefully, but when their father Jacob was blessing them, he made it clear to Reuben, you don't have self-control. And mm-hmm. so the kingdom will pass from you and go to your brother Judah. Of course, we understand that Jesus comes, the king, comes from the line of the of, of Judah. Right. But Reuben was a man who didn't have self-government and so could not really, not in a biblical sense, be promoted. That's why we have elders. Elders have the qualifications in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, all of which are basically saying this is a man who has governed himself. And therefore, he can, he can govern others. It's not he's the richest, you know, or the most powerful or the most savvy businessman. Mm-hmm. No, this man demonstrates self-government. And so he can be allowed to try to govern the church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So just to summarize all of that, heavenly government over the governments of this earth mm-hmm. and undergirding each and every one of them is self-government. Mm-hmm. You get self-government right through the preaching of the word, through the regeneration of the spirit of God, mm-hmm. and the others will be healed. And what we're talking about really self-government, we should also use the word household too, I think. Family government. Right. But even self-government of a father, of a mother, of a mm-hmm. child, it undergirds the, the success of a family government. That's right.
1: Like if mom and dad don't have to follow their kids around all day and make sure that they've done everything they're supposed to do, the whole household improves. Because now mom and dad can devote themselves to Absolutely. expanding the dominion of their home. Absolutely. Like taking care of their when,
0: when the family members have self-government, dad and mom aren't walking around. You know, laying out giant lists of laws and rules. Right. It's not a top-down bureaucracy. Right. I don't have to control my kids through regulation, mm-hmm. and through power or coercion, because they govern themselves. Right. Literally, they govern themselves half the time. Right. I, sometimes I wonder if I'm even doing enough because they <laughs> seem to be on autopilot. But they they have self-government by the Spirit of God, and uh, and that that's the key to. The future of our nation. That's the key. So, so self government, not top down, you know, bureaucratic coercion. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. It has to be bottom up, inside out, reformation of the individual self government as it bleeds into the family, the church, and then into the civil realm as well. That's the key for, and that's the key for the future success of our nation. So let's say, okay, so
1: COVID 19 hits. My house is thrown into chaos. I've realized now that, uh-oh, we're not self-governing at all. we got to fix this. What's, what steps for parents to take, for moms and dads, for kids to do from here?
0: Well, if, if a calamity comes into your home and your home goes into immediate anarchy, you know, looting, rioting, overthrow of mom and dad, what you have there is a clear indication that long before the trial, there was no self-government, right There was no regenerating power of the spirit of God. Yeah. The only response at that time is more compelling government, you know, top-down, coercive government. This is why you see in, in some places the fear that individual citizens can't control themselves, so they call out the army, right They pass all the laws. Oh, and people stop trusting their neighbors they're right. worried about riots or looters well that's like um, so same thing in a family. If, if your family is thrown into anarchy, dad has not and dad and mom have not done their job well in disciplining their children right. from an early age. So is there something they can do now to fix it? Like, first things thanks. first, got to repent. It has to start with repentance, family, with individual church, repentance. It ha- you can't repent for somebody else. That's right. That right. it has to start with a dad for the family. Right. It has to start with every individual. No more blame shifting. No more finger pointing. No more. This woman you gave me. No. Right. <laughs> or this, this government, you know, the, right. the media, you know, the immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, no more blame shifting, you know, the, the man, the oppressors, no more blame shifting at every level. It begins with a heartfelt repentance towards God and a desire to follow Jesus Christ in all that he commands us. Mm-hmm. And when there's repentance, there's hope. Mm-hmm. There might be consequences long-term for some sins, but God is gracious. He, he, he protects us from a lot of that. And if we would repent at every level of government, Christ would bless our nation. The Bible says as plain as day in the Proverbs, righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people. Mm-hmm. We have the formula right there. And um, kiss the son lest he become angry. Psalm 2, kiss the sun lest he become, which means worship the son. Worship the son like the wise men from the foreign nations came and did to baby Jesus. Worship the son lest he be angry with you and consume you in his wrath. This is what each and every one of us must learn about government, heavenly government, multiple governments on earth, all undergirded by individual government. If the gospel goes forth, if the Holy Spirit regenerates, we could see a, a bottom-to-top reformation and restoration of society. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm praying for.
1: Amen. I think that's good.
0: That's good for today. Are we uh, coming close to our, our time?
1: Yeah, I think we're, where are we at? 37 minutes. That's good. That's good.
0: Hey guys, look, I hope you enjoyed this. We're going to come back Wednesday at 11 a.m. We're going to do it all over again. We're going to keep building on these lessons. I guarantee you, you are not going to hear this taught anywhere else in Acadiana. Right. I guarantee it. Complete and total money back. (laughs) Guarantee. You follow up with us week after week. Right. We will help you um, develop a biblical mindset and worldview about how God and government relate to one another, and mm-hmm. how we relate to government mm-hmm. as well. That way, the next time we have an outbreak or a national calamity, we'll all know how to respond. Right. We'll all know how to, we'll be equipped and prepared for that. Right.
1: And so, let me say also too. I see it several of y'all um, talking about in the comments how. Sometimes your broadcast is getting interrupted on uh, your end. We're going to have this dropped in a complete video file format later on today. So you'll be able to rewatch the entire thing without interruptions from beginning to end. Sometimes um, live streaming is tricky. And uh, there's I a lot of people, on, of the people net. Are on Facebook nowadays. That's right. We're going to get better at this
0: with. week after week. Yeah. Week so. after week. All right, guys. Feels good. Be safe out there. Keep your social distance. <laughs> Keep praying and pray for revival while you're at it. That's right. All right. That's right. Peace out.